good to be together, isn't it? Anybody glad you're together? Shout amen. amen. That we're all together. Uh, we are in a series. Read Acts 247 with me. Read it out loud. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. I just One of the things that just grabs my attention there is the word daily. Say it, daily. I mean, what would happen if the Lord really added to the church every day? Wouldn't that be spectacular? Uh, do you believe that's his intention? Anybody believe that's his intention? Every day, every day. And I, I wonder sometimes about our conversation. What, are, what is our daily focus? What are your goals every day? When you get up in the morning, what do you think? Well, you know, I just want to make it through the day. You know, especially on a Monday, some, some people get up. I don't know how your Monday feels, but for me, I'm a little tired on Monday. I don't know if you could understand that, but, uh, uh, but what if every day we told somebody about Jesus? Some of you look so frightened right now. It's like, I'm not putting guilt and shame on you. I'm saying, what if every day we told somebody about Jesus? I was strange. Diane and I went down to the Neptune Festival yesterday. It was hot down there, all right? Watched a little of the parade, saw some of, saw some of our people running up and down the streets and, uh, and uh, loved on some people. I saw a guy, uh, I was wearing a, uh, my Buckeyes hat. Imagine that, all right? And... So uh, I was wearing my Buckeyes hat. I know you're my, my Nebraska family up there. I love you guys, okay? But uh, some guy with the Bucks shirt was there, and I said, hey, what about those Buckeyes? And he came over, Buckeyes, yeah. We started talking about the game didn't start until later in the evening. And uh, we started chatting about where we, were, we grew up and that sort of thing. And, and uh, I said, well, you know, you know, OH, oh, go Bucks, yeah. And, and he walked away and said, love you. And he walked away. And I thought, he said he loved me. He must be a believer in Jesus. He said it like a Christian says it. Anybody know what I'm saying? You know, I just love you. Just kind of threw that out. Did he love me because I was a Buckeye fan? Or did he love me because... You love people? You love one another? Do you love people that you don't necessarily know? You care about them. Can you see somebody in a setting perhaps that you're not even aware of and you can feel your heart gravitate in, in that direction? It was that setting that we talked about last week in John 4.35 when we talked about the harvest and the woman at the well. And Jesus said, do you not say four months more? And then the harvest, I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. Come on, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. And some people say, I don't want to open my eyes. Like, well, if you would look at it like a harvest, you would look at it differently. Because uh, have you ever looked at a menu? Anybody ever looked at a menu? And you're reading through the menu and you think, wow, this is like the most awesome menu ever. And I could have some of this. All I have to do is order it. They'll bring it to my table. And I, I can just have all this pasta and all. Somebody praise God. Anybody just... Praise Jesus. I mean, just menus can be spectacular. I've been to restaurants where their menus look like books, all right? I haven't been there in a while, but what is a cheesecake factory? Anybody been to Cheesecake Factory? It's like, okay, I, gotta, I order one thing. Do I just have to order one thing? Uh, but can I order like five or six things? Uh, is it like five for a dollar or something? It's not. But, but when, you, when you open your eyes and look at people in the world who are in need... Say, oh, I don't want to talk to people about Jesus. I get that. I, I, you know, I guess. 
But people need the Lord. Just say it. People need. Say it again. People need the Lord. How do you feel when you look at the people of this world? Even bigger question. How does the Lord feel when he sees the people on the world? How does he feel? What does he, when he sees them, what is, what is his sense? I want to talk to you from the thought today, a compassionate harvest. I want us to look at Matthew chapter 9 and verse 36. When Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. They were harassed. Read that scripture with me. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. Why? Because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Uh, One of the things that that I enjoy doing as of late, anybody ever ride your bicycles at the boardwalk? Anybody ever ride a bike at the boardwalk? Three of us. Okay, so a few of us. Got to get together and do that sometime, you know? Ride our bikes down to the boardwalk. I mean, it's, it's dangerous today. Uh, they got that Neptune festival. You will run over people, all right, uh, because a lot of people don't understand that there is actually a bike path, and they just kind of walk right into it, and then you run over them and say, what will you do? No, you don't do that. You, you watch for them, and uh, you, you talk to them, but we were riding our boardwalk. We are taking a boardwalk bicycle trip, and, and it's nice. I mean, if you go all the way from one end to the other, it's like a five-mile bike ride. It's really nice, and it, it was pretty, and but we were riding, and there were several people out there last week, and uh, there was a crowd of people that came up, and, and uh, it's like 8 o'clock in the evening, and there's this guy in these flesh-colored Speedos walking down the boardwalk. I'm sorry I gave you a mental image that I did not intend to. But it's like, uh, uh, hey, bud, maybe they do that somewhere else. But it was a little frightening when I saw it. All right, so if it was you, I want you to know I still love you, okay? But it made me a little nauseous, okay? Just, uh... and, and, I, and I, feel, I felt, well, I'm a little uncomfortable with this. And also made me laugh a little bit. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm just being real with you, all right? And uh, I also, then I begin to think, well, I guess that's cultural. Maybe it's cultural. Maybe he comes from somewhere where that's really normalcy because he wasn't like just kind of flaunting himself. I mean, he was carrying something under his arm and he had his phone out like most people do, not looking around, just kind of walking down the road. But, but, you know, the question was, I guess he's feeling one way. I'm feeling another way altogether. Okay. So then I thought, maybe I ought to just ride my bike over there and say, boy, put your pants on. But that, I, don't think, I just didn't think the right thing to do. Some of you are hoping that I did that, right? Who was hoping that I did that? Anybody? So a few of you were. I didn't think that was necessarily my place because I, I don't know him. I don't, I don't know his story. Um, I was thinking also uh, from teachings of last month. One of the things that we don't necessarily recognize or consider is that uh, we are in a highly populated culture. And I'm not talking about just people. I'm saying that if you read the word of God, you find out 
in looking around that there's a lot of things that are going on in the world supernaturally. If we look at the heavens, if we look at what the Word of God says, how many know what I'm talking about? Anybody know that? That, that there are people that are struggling, and we don't always know why they're struggling. In, in this scripture, it says they were harassed and helpless. Say it, they're harassed and helpless. Harassed and helpless. I, I saw a lady one day, or the other day, and she, uh, she was sitting on the grass, and she had uh, something, and she was just rocking back and forth, and it looked like she was hurt, and so I stopped, I, I slowed myself down to look, and I noticed that somebody else was coming, and she finally looked all right, but for a moment, I thought, I'm going to have to stop and take care of this particular situation. Anybody been that way? Or are we more the crowd that says, I don't need to get involved? Is that who we are? A dramatic moment that from the moment I saw the news story until now, uh, I was moved by it immediately. I saw a story on the news. It was a Monday, this past Monday morning, a man, uh, it it happened in the Bronx. He had his five-year-old daughter in his hands, and he is running towards the train and he, holding his five-year-old daughter by the hands, jumped in front of the train. And he died, but somehow the daughter laid flat. And as the train finally stopped, bystanders, a bystander specifically, jumped on the track and climbed under. Oh, Jesus. And as he's talking, he talks to the girl and she says, where's my daddy? Where's my daddy? And he, he said, honey, don't look for your daddy. Just look at me and crawl like a puppy until you get out of there. And finally, he holds the girl. She just has scratches, and she's just fine. And she totally survived the situation. No, 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 she didn't. She's still got to overcome the fact that her daddy jumped in front of a train. She still has to deal with waking up in the middle of the night. Anybody hear what I just told you, all right? Because we just think as long as people are dressed fine, as long as they're not in their Speedos, they must be okay. You see what I just taught you? Anybody hear that? As long as everybody looks normal and everybody's quiet and everybody just gets along, everybody is all right. The Bible says that Jesus looked at the crowds, at the multitudes, and he had compassion on people who perhaps, even though he's the Lord, I guess he could have figured out their name, but people you don't know. He had compassion. He looked upon the multitudes. He looked upon the people who show up on a Sunday morning. He looked upon the thousands at the Neptune Festival. He looked upon all of those people at a football game. He looked upon all of those people driving up and down the highway. He, didn't, he wasn't saying, just get out of my way. Don't you know I have some place to go right now? If you just accelerate a little bit, maybe we could get around this traffic and through the... No, he looked upon the multitudes and Jesus had compassion. What would happen if we had compassion like Jesus had? What would happen to the harvest? You want to do this with me? Or are you afraid? Lord, give me your heart. Give me your heart. It's going to cost you some tears. Come on. Say, Lord, give me your heart. Give me your heart, Lord. Give me your heart. Change my heart. Let my heart beat for the things that your heart beats for. Let me weep for the things that you weep for. And then there will be times that you might look at people and say, this is horrible. You know... You have this understanding because you happen to be people too. Go ahead, pinch the person next to you. You've been wanting to do that all day probably. (laughs) Pinch them. Notice 
that they, okay, you pinch that person back now if you need to. So we get a whole lot of pinching going on. What happened to your church service? Somebody pinched me. We have special prayer for all of you. All I'm saying is that we're all people in this house. And you say nobody understands. Wait, wait a minute. We were all born into this house. Anybody understand? You, you think that everybody is so different. And yes, we have different issues. But how many know we all have emotions? Anybody know that? We all have emotions. We all hurt. How many have ever been hurt before? Anybody ever been wounded before? How many have ever been insulted? Anybody been isolated? Anybody been abandoned? In different ways, we have felt junk in our lives. And we look at the multitude as just difficulty. We look at the multitude as just problems. I just don't like people. And I, you know, and we have t-shirts. Leave me alone. I don't like people. I hate people. No, I love people. I don't always know what's going on, but I happen to be a people and I need you. You know, we all have some of the basic, same basic needs like security and adventure and significance, love and connection, growth, contribution, some of those basic needs. Did you know that everybody, you know, we say security, you know, you got a good job, you know, you got shelter, you got food. What's wrong with you? How many know you can have a lot of food in your refrigerator and still be messed up? Have a nice house, all kinds of houses. You can have five or six houses and a few million dollars and still be messed up. And then adventure, you know, this, that concept of some, some challenge and diversity, some, you know, how many, some of you love a boring life, you know, but, but there is this need. You will do things just for it. I, I think also significance, the need for meaning, validation, feeling needed, feeling honored, feeling to be wanted, or love and connection. You know, it's not good to be alone. Can I get an amen from somebody? You say, you're saying we all need to get married. Some of you don't need to get married. Some of you need to get whole right now, all right? Get whole. Don't, don't be taking all your junk into another relationship right now, all right? However, at the same time, we need relationship. It is good for us to be together. People say, I don't need to come to church to be a Christian. You need to come to church. Tell somebody, you need to be at church. You can tell people they're already here. They're not going to feel guilty. People need to be in church. You can tell others, you know, you really need to be in church. You say, what's wrong with people? We need the fellowship of the body of Christ, but we also need connection. We need communication. Don't just come to church and sit on a chair and look. Get involved. Get connected. And, and we need growth. We need, you know, physically, emotionally, intellectually, and above all, spiritual development. And, and we also need to be uh, contributing. If you feel like you have nothing to contribute, you will get tired and weary. Uh, you need to be able to do something with your life, to give, to care, to protect beyond yourselves. I, like, I also like this. I love Freedom Fellowship, by the way. I just, just so I know, I, if you did not know that, I love this church. I love it. I, um, I wept a little bit at the Neptune Festival parade yesterday. I never told my wife this. I had my sunglasses on, but I did. And, uh, one, and it was just, I was looking at the people, and I'd been prayerful, I'd been talking about this, and I began looking at the people and thinking of all the difficulty and the division. And I mean, you, I'm telling you, you can see it just watching the parade. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You can see how people are so compartmentalized that 
and, and sometimes it just, it, just, it just broke my heart. I don't know, it's just the Holy Spirit just dealing with me because of my teaching that I wanted to give today. But, but do you know that there are people, and just because you're marching to pray don't mean you got everything together. Anybody know that? Just because you got a, you're in a band uniform, you see what I'm saying? There are people that desperately need the Lord. And I also, we struggle also because uh, we're so connected with only those people that are exactly like us. Uh, I heard that song, I've heard it a hundred times, I'm sure, Mandisa's song, We All Bleed the Same. Mandisa, anybody heard that? We're all, we all bleed the same, but we're all beautiful when we come together, you know? So it just, sometimes it feels you know, awkward, but sometimes we don't realize how much the same we are until we see somebody hurting, and then we realize it don't matter what side of the nation you're born on or what country you're born in. It doesn't matter what color of skin or what language you speak. We all, when it comes to hurt, we all somehow have unity in our lives. All right, so uh, Matthew 9, 35 through 38. Let's just look at this teaching. This is what happens. Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in the synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. And I want you to listen to this spiritually. Don't just listen to the, the geographics of it, okay, or the, just the practical things. So he's going everywhere in all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. When he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. And he said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest field. So when you really get to know the heart of Jesus, you will discover that he is passionate about rescuing people from their brokenness. When you really get to know Jesus, what is Jesus about? He's passionate about people being set free. He's passionate about rescuing people, about helping people, about people being whole. So if you're broken this morning, just so you know, Jesus wants you set free today. You got that? So I want you to see the context of this story because often I tell you the context and we just look back a verse, but you can't get the context of this scripture without reading all of the Gospel of Matthew. So if I were to take you through it, I'd take you all the way to Matthew 3, because Jesus is baptized in Matthew 3. Then I'd take you to Matthew 4, where Jesus goes into the wilderness and he is tempted by the enemy. But right after the temptation, he comes back full of the Holy Spirit to Galilee. He meets Simon and uh, Simon Peter and Andrew, they're out casting their nets. Then he meets John, James and John. They're hanging out with their dad. They're working on some nets. Their dad's name is Zeb. You like that name? Zebedee. Who names their kids Zebedee these days? I like that. Uh, because these are the sons of Zebedee. So all of these guys, uh, uh, Simon Peter and Andrew and James and John, all of these guys, they just leave their nets, working on their nets, casting their nets, and begin to follow Jesus. And then... We see there that there is massive healing that takes place. So they're just following Jesus. And in Matthew chapter 4, verse 23, 
Jesus goes all over Galilee. He's teaching, preaching the gospel, healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. That sounds so much like Matthew 9, doesn't it? So all kinds of people. He's everywhere. His fame went throughout all of Syria. And they're bringing the sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments, those who were demon-possessed, people who, had, who were epileptics and paralytics, and he healed them. And, and the scripture says, great multitudes followed him. So I want you to get this, that Jesus sees people who are harassed and helpless and hurting, and he's walking and he's teaching and he's preaching and he's touching people and people are being healed. And Matt, I mean, they're leaving everything and just following Jesus. Then we get to chapters 5 and 7 through 7, and 5 through 7 is the Sermon on the Mount. How many have ever heard the Sermon on the Mount before? So all of these crowds are following. They follow him up on the, mount, on the mountain. He's teaching. He's counseling and healing the hearts of thousands. So he's, he's praying for them. He's healing them, but they follow him. He sits down on the mountainside, and he starts telling them, now here's how we fix your life. Here's how we change you from dead, dry, religious people. He deals with unforgiveness. He deals with anxiousness. He deals with how to deal with debts. He deals with all of their insecurities. And then you get to chapter 8, and there's this, uh, this guy who is a leper who comes up to Jesus, and Jesus looks at him, and the guy says, Lord, if you're willing, I know I can be healed. And Jesus simply gives him healing, you know? And then you have... The, the faith of the centurion. You have the healing of Peter's mother-in-law. And then they get on a boat and there's a storm. And Jesus stands because his disciples are greatly afraid. And Jesus looks at the winds and the rains and he says, peace be still. Okay? See all the things that are happening? Still, he's got some disciples following him. He's got the multitudes that are around him. And then in chapter uh, 9, we have a paralytic man. Uh, who, who comes and Jesus, first of all, says you're forgiven because the Pharisees are watching and that gets them all riled up. Who do you think you are that you can forgive people? And he says, well, let me show you who I am. And he raises him up and he's completely healed. And while he's doing this, crowds are around him and a woman comes up behind him and touches his garments and she just touches him and her bleeding stop that she's had for years and no doctor has been able to heal him. Then there's a synagogue ruler whose daughter died and they were actually playing funeral music outside of the house. Jesus goes to their house and he just tells everybody, I want you all to be quiet, turn off the music. And he walks over to the girl and he says, little girl, get up. And he touches her hand and she arises. Isn't that beautiful? And, and she rises from the dead. Two blind men come to him. Jesus touches their eyes and they're healed. And if you keep reading this, he defeats demons who had caused the man not to be able to speak. And I, I wonder about that particular story. Anybody ever felt spiritually so messed up that you couldn't talk? Anybody been there before? He deals with these people who are demonically oppressed. I've seen people fully shut down emotionally and physically, but Jesus set them free. Now, now watch the religious response of the Pharisees. In, in, uh, they say to him, he casts out demons by the ruler of demons. And Jesus just ignored them and kept healing people. Somebody praise God for that. In other words, it doesn't matter what everybody else says. All right? Some people say, well, we got a problem with those religious rules. You don't know who the religious rulers are in our culture today. You think it's church people, and it's not. 
Churches are still fighting with one another, okay? Now, if you would, if you would, if you, on occasion, if you watch the news, if you watch all of these special shows where people are telling you how you must think in order to be a, a correct citizen, what I'm telling, anybody hear what I just taught you? All right, you have to believe this, you have to accept this, you have to stop believing. Listen, the, the Pharisees today are telling you it doesn't matter what God you believe in. All right, I just taught you that, all right? So we get to Matthew chapter 9 and verse 35, and we see that when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion because they were weary and scattered. The other version says they were harassed and helpless like sheep having no shepherd, okay? Now, what is all of this about? It's all about a revelation of the heart of the Lord Jesus. That's what it's about. It's about him looking at people and saying, I'm going to fix this. I'm going to do something about this. And it's all about compassionate, a compassionate, loving Jesus, healing, counseling, serving, blessing, and calling people to himself. So before I give you the reality of this teaching, let me just point this out to you. All of this is about discipleship. Think about this as I give you these truths. Three things that we need to grasp from this scripture, and some of you have already, uh, already got this. One, the Lord of the harvest is a good, good father. Somebody shout, he's good, he's good. He's a, somebody shout, he's good, good, good. He's good. He's holy, holy, holy. But he's good, good, good. Notice what, what Jesus says. He says, I want you to pray to who? The Lord of the harvest. The Old Testament speaks of the Lord of the harvest as well, talking about the offering of first fruits. The first fruit in Hebrew literally means the promise that is to come. And there is one who never breaks his promise. Anybody ever sit down to eat and wonder whether or not you should pray? Okay, sometimes. I mean, I'll sit with people and I just have to pray because I know they're just not into it. They might think I'm religiously crazy. But here's the deal. Here's what you have to understand. If you actually were hoping that it would rain so that your crops would grow, and then you went out and you saw the harvest, you brought it in and you sat down, and you realized the Lord is the one that sent the rain, and the Lord is the one that brought the sunshine, and the Lord is the one that gave you a harvest. If it had not been for a good, good God, you would be starving to death. And I know you don't get that because in our nation and the nation we live in today, uh, the homeless people in our nation eat better than millions of people in other countries. So you just we're just kind of spoiled in our culture because we just know that the food is always going to be there. I tell you, you ate this morning because of the Lord of the harvest. I'm telling you, you walked outside because of the Lord of the harvest. You are dressed and you have a house because God is a good, good father. You are sitting here today because of the goodness of the Lord of the harvest. It's that understanding in 1 Corinthians 3 where the Bible says, uh, So then neither he who plants is anything nor he who waters, Paul says, but God who gives the increase. So if I, if I tell somebody about Jesus and then we go and baptize them, you understand what I'm saying? And they rise up. The reason that they are transformed is not because of me. It's because God is the one who gives us the increase. Are you still with me in this message? God is the giver of the harvest. God has been so good to us that the concept 
of much of the Sermon on the Mount is like Matthew chapter 6, 31, when Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount says, do not worry, saying, what shall you eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows what you need, all these things, that you need all these things. But seek, read that with me, but seek first the and and all these things shall be added to you. Somebody shout, Lord of the harvest, Lord of the harvest. I want you to know God's got you. I want you to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And I want you to watch what the Lord will do. You say, but I'm in a mess right now. Watch what God will do with your life. Just keep seeking him. Look, I have to learn not to worry. Anybody else like that? Anybody like me? Wave at me. Anybody like me? I have, to, I have to have somebody tell me, don't worry about this on occasion. Pastor, stop worrying. But you're the pastor. You got it all together. I know, and I got all you too, all right? So on occasion, I have to stop and say, Lord, they're not my people. They are yours. So I'm going to go to bed tonight. Anybody understand what I'm saying? And he is able, Ephesians 3 says, to do exceedingly abundantly above all we ask or think according to the power that works in us. I'll get to that in a minute. To him be glory to the church by Christ Jesus to all generations. So he is a good, good father. That's who you are, and I'm loved by you. Got to learn not to worry. That'll change the way you give, by the way. I just thought I'd throw that in. All right, the reason that many people don't give is because they're worried that they won't have enough if they give for the Lord. Because you think you're the Lord of your own harvest, and you're not. And then the other thing that we see is that Jesus is deeply moved by our brokenness. When he saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion for them. And I love this Greek, Greek word, splanknitzomai. I love that. I just want to say it because it makes me sound weird and intelligent at the same time. Splanknitzomai. Say it. Splanknitzomai. Okay? It's not really... Really, it's about pain. Splanknitzomai, compassion. Compassion is a yearning from the inside out. It is, and some of you have felt it, grief, pain, hurt. You saw something and you hurt. You have wept. Anybody been there before? Uh, you know, I remember many times in my life, one of the times early in my pastorate, I was just over visiting in Virginia Beach General over here, visiting with somebody who was in the ER. And while I was in there, I heard the, a cry from another room. It was a cry. It was a family that had just heard that their father had died. And he was a young man. He was out playing softball. And he had a heart attack on the softball field and died. The reason I know that is because when I heard that pain, it hit me. And I just went right on in the door. And they didn't have a pastor. They didn't have anybody. I did the funeral. I did everything that particular day. I'm just saying it's that yearning. It's that hurting. And sometimes we're so busy being distracted. All right? But there are some things that will you cannot be distracted from. You know, when my mother passed away, I remember that yearning. When I've been with you, I have felt that with you on occasion. So if you ask me how I am and I'm saying, well, I'm feeling a little bad right now, that doesn't mean I'm bad. It might be a good bad because we need to have this feeling. It's the sense of being 
emotionally kicked in the guts. Like the prodigal, uh, the prodigal father, when he saw his son was still a great, a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. He said, my, my boy is coming home. And he didn't, you couldn't keep him on the porch. It is Luke 7, 13. When the Lord saw a woman whose only son had died in the city of Nain, he had compassion on her and said to her, do not weep. She never even prayed. He just walked over, stopped the funeral procession, put his hand on the casket, which broke all the ceremonial law, and said, let the boy live. And the boy got up out of the casket and went home with his mom. Ever read that story in Luke 7? That's why Jesus came. He came because he loved the world. He came because he has compassion. Jesus didn't came because we have it all together. He came because we're broken and we're busted and we don't know what to do. And the enemy is real and we're demonically oppressed and hurt. But Jesus came. John 3 tells us he came because he loved the world so much. He saw people, he saw the harvest as sheep with no shepherd, which moves me to Psalm 23 and 1. The Lord is my shepherd. Say it, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. It's a great book. If you haven't read it, I've read it so many times, but it's Philip Keller's book, A Shepherd Looks at the 23rd Psalm. If you haven't read it, I've given it away so many times. I think I have six copies in my office right now because I've given it away. But it's such a pastoral understanding. And here's the understand from Philip Keller who was a shepherd as he wrote about his shepherding experiences. Uh, Sheep will not lie down unless they're free of fear, free of fiction, free of pests, and free of hunger. And so who is in charge of all of that? The shepherd is in charge of all of that. So when Jesus saw them, they were harassed and they were helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Fear, free of fear. In other words, somebody's got to deal with all the wolves and all, come on, all the wild animals that want to kill them. And the shepherd, he's got a rod and he's got a staff. And so as long as I follow the shepherd or free of friction, they, they have to have space. Anybody hear what I'm saying? They have to deal with the rivalry and the, in, in the flock. Keller talks about the problem with sheep is they're always butting each other. But something happens in the presence of the shepherd, they stop butting each other. I don't know if you heard that. Free of pests. You're going to hate this, but it's a nasal fly. Okay, Nasal flies are terrible for sheep. There are other flies as well, but the shepherd has a special anointing oil. And what he'll do, the problem with the sheep is that when they get these flies in their head, in their head, when they get these flies in their head, they will actually beat their heads on rocks in order to get the flies to leave. But the shepherd has this oil and he will take each lamb, each sheep and pour the oil over their head. And by the anointing, the sheep will be able to survive and the pests will leave them alone. They have to be free of hunger and the shepherd knows where the pastures are, the green pastures. If they go off on their own, they get lost. They fall over cliffs. They get destroyed. But the shepherd knows where the water is and the water has to be still because where there is still water, there is uh, also the ability to eat green pastures. It is the shepherd that knows where the land of milk and honey is. He knows about security and peace and rest. Can I tell you? you that the shepherd cares for you and if you will follow him he knows your pain he knows your issues he knows your stuff 
I got one more thing to say. Jesus is calling us to heal the multitudes. Who's he calling? Wave at me. Who's he calling? He said, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the field. Here's the problem. There's only one Jesus. Jesus said, it would be better if I left. Because when I leave, the comforter will come. And he will lead you and guide you. Right now, you're just following me. But one day, you're going to follow the Spirit. I was, uh, you know, thinking of that story of that man who jumped on that tra- in front of that train with his child. And I was thinking about, but another man showed up. You hear what I'm saying? Somebody else said, honey, you don't have to stay under that train the rest of your life. I think a little girl's name was Fernie or something like that. He said, just crawl to me. Does that story move you? Have you ever been in a situation where you felt kicked in the gut with compassion for somebody? Have you ever felt like reaching broken people and healing hungry people, feeding hungry people, healing sick people? Anybody ever felt like that? How many believe the church ought to be the church that does that? And if you ever feel that, you say, why do I feel that? I need to get over that. I need to go drink something. I need to take a shot. I need to take a pill. I need to smoke something so I can stop. No, you're supposed to feel that. That's Jesus on the inside of you. I have felt that way before. I looked over one yard one day and heard a, heard a father just messing with his kid, just hurting his kid. And I yelled over that fence, hey, 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 y'all need to stop that. <laughs> Say, Pastor, you're getting people's business. It stopped. Boy came to my church. I baptized him. I remember another day I looked over a fence and saw a lady who had killed herself. Laying in the middle of a yard. And I thought, wow. I knew that lady too. I had known her. I had met her. I had sat with her before. I'm thinking, Lord Jesus... It's a mess out there. Can I get an amen? amen? People need the Lord, but people need the Lord that's in you. Did, I, did you hear what I said? People need the Lord. Where is Jesus? Where is, where is he? He's right here. He said, people need Jesus. Well, take your Jesus to people. That's why go has got to be more than inviting people to church. It's inviting people out of their brokenness, out of their anxiety, out of their hurt, out of their sickness, out of their distress. But you know, it's not just those that are in the world. Any given Sunday morning, there are people that have been harassed and helpless that walk in these doors. Anybody experienced some hurt this past week? Wave at me. Where are you? It's hard to lift your hand up when you ask that sort of thing. You know, I just, you know, let me, let me check in real quick. How you doing? See, people say that all the time. But the research says we're not doing fine. At least one out of five Americans is suffering from some kind of anxiety. Another 10 to 12 million are dealing with crippling depression or PTSD as a result of a major hurt, trauma, or abuse in their past. And the trends show no improvement on the horizon. Where's your multitude? They're everywhere. They're in this house. They're in your lunchroom. They're at your office. They're in your neighborhood. Where do you connect with people? All right, I got to be done. This is our altar service. So we got we got to shift. All right. So would you stand with me now? Everybody, stand with me. Let's honor the Lord Jesus. Could we honor Him? Could we honor him? everybody? Honor the Lord. Just lift your hands and honor Him. Bless Him. We honor you, Lord Jesus.
Let's give him thanks for his blood. Could you do that with me? Give him thanks for the blood of Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Here's, here's our issue. The Lord wants us to know that we can be a part of him. He would like to be a part of us. He would like you to be able to have a sense, an understanding that you are not alone. Some of you in this room are harassed. Some of you in this room are sick. Some of you in this room are struggling. Where are you? Wave at me. Where are you? Some of you are harassed and you're struggling. Where are you? Jack, did you appoint some people? Did you? Would you come? I want those that are going to come and help me today. I'm going to do something rather unique. I'll be right with you, okay? Come swiftly, if you would. There you go. I want altar workers also to come and stand and be ready. I've thought in my life... That sometimes in our beautiful Protestant gatherings, we are so busy doing things in a radical way that we sometimes lose the holiness of what God wants to do. Can I get an amen from anyone? Sometimes we just kind of get lost. So what we're going to do as we close the service is we're going to pray and there are people that are here to pray for you but we're also going to serve to you the supper of the Lord and listen as we serve the supper of the Lord today I want you by his broken body and by his shed blood to experience healing in your lives now, some of you don't expect this because you're expecting me just to toss some little cartons out to you. We can do a really quick, happy meal version of it. But today, I want us to take the time that is necessary for you to receive the blessing of the Lord. Now, would you open your arms? And all of you that are standing next to the communion, we just lay your hands on the tables. And Father, as we receive this supper, Lord, we sanctify and celebrate your body, and your blood. And these articles that we receive today, we pray, Lord, that those who would receive them would receive them in the spirit with which you have called us. We ask, Lord Jesus, that we would receive them and we would receive our healing. That we would receive them and our brokenness would be removed and we would become whole. That we would confess our sin and we would receive full forgiveness and the removal of shame. For Lord Jesus, when you sat with your disciples, knowing the pain that they would even experience, you said to them that you would give your blood and give your body to them so that they would be whole. And so now, as you have freely given, so we give in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Everyone lift your hands toward heaven. 
Lift your hands toward heaven and tell him, Lord Jesus, I give you my heart. I confess my brokenness and I receive your life into my life in the name of Christ Jesus, the crucified and resurrected one. Amen. Are you all ready? I want those specifically who have felt harassed and broken to begin making their ways. I have four stations, so come to the one that is closest to you. I want you to start moving towards those particular areas and stand in groups in front of them. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, this is the word of God. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in the blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. I want our altar workers to begin to serve the supper. Take your time. No, this would not be enough. I need everyone to come. How many want to receive the supper of the Lord today? Come and stand in this altar. And as we serve it, receive it. Stand for a moment and celebrate and receive your healing. And when you leave this place, leave in the power and the presence of the Lord.